return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. You have kids rock in the back of ages three to first grade in the back there. So thank you, Diana, for heading that up and whoever else is working back there today. Isaac, God bless you. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you're here this morning. It's good to be here. The Bible says that we want to continue to meet um, even as the last days approach. And so uh, it's good to be here. If you have your Bible, why don't you stand up with me? Even if you don't have your Bible, stand up with me. Amen. And repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive. The incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. And that's true. Amen. We're never going to be the same. Like I said, when you, when you expect to get something out of, you know, when you read, you, it's never, the Bible's never going to disappoint you. Because the Holy Spirit is in the Word of God. Amen. The Bible says that it's active. It's living sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. So it's going to affect you whenever you read it, whenever you want to get something out of it. Amen. But that's the thing about the Lord. He gave us a choice. He, gave, he gives us choices, right? So we can choose to receive and we can choose not to receive. And I'm going to talk a little bit about our choices kind of today. But I titled this message, Unity of the Spirit and the Bond of Peace. And uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to, what I wanted to say uh, one thing I always, I don't like to do is, is say what I want to say. And so usually I'll say, ooh, this will be a great topic and I'll start writing and the Lord will change it up a little bit. Um, you know, it's never usually like an hour before the service or anything like that. But just as I'm going through my message, it's like, huh, I kind of maybe should go to a different direction. So um, there's a lot that I wanted to say. I'm going to say some of it here, um, but it's going to be good anyway. So let's go to Luke 6.31. Hallelujah. The Bible says, just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise to them. The golden rule, right? Do unto others as you want them to do to you. And uh, the other day, my son, who's in the back, he, uh, he, we were cleaning out a room, and he turned the light off on us, and he closed the door, and he ran out. Angela and I were in there. And so I, I turn it back on, I open back up the door, and he comes in again, he turns off the light, and closes the door, and he runs out. And I said, Ryan, would you like if I did that to you? And of course, no, I wouldn't. I'm scared of the dark, right? And I said, well, then why would you do it to me? And so it's a small example, but we want to treat others how we want to be treated. Amen? If, um, 
you know, if you want to, when you do something for somebody, if you want to hear somebody say thank you, well, then you should be saying thank you as well. Amen? If you, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a basketball fan. If, if you um, have a shot, but you pass it to somebody else for a better shot, and they make it, well, the next time down the court, if the same thing happens, you want the same thing, right? You want to get the ball and for a better shot. Do it to others as you would have them doing to you. And, you know, that is, that, you know, maybe some would think, well, it's uh, kind of the cliche um, kid scripture right there, right? The, the golden rule. Um, but it's so important, and it's, and it's broken so many times in the body of Christ. This rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you, is a rule that, that a lot of people don't follow all the time. So I think it's an important topic, it's an important scripture to know. And, and even right now, um, from the beginning, from the early church, there's been a division in Christianity. Right? Why? Because the devil wants to divide us. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the devil knows that. And he wants to divide the body of Christ. That's, that's one of his goals, and he does that through lies, through deception, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus came that we may have life, amen? Jesus came that we might have unity. So he wants us to have unity, but you see it all across. Even, even you know, the charismatic movement and the faith movement, just think of how amazing those movements were, but even the division that it caught, that people had afterwards. So, um, you know, you have the charismatic movement, Charismatic movement, okay, and, and, and denominations worshiping together, and it's amazing. But then what happens? There's a split. Then this church doesn't want to fellowship with this church because, well, th- this started in my church, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fellowship with these people. And another church might say, well, I'm going to only, only fellowship with these people, okay? And so there's this division that happens, right? And we can't always control it, but we can control what happens in our own life. So individually, Jesus gave us the mandate to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. Amen. And so we have responsibility as part of the body to be loving, to be forgiving, to be gentle towards one another. Amen. We can't control how other people act or what other people say, but we can control what we do. And what we say and how we act. So let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, one says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, which, with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So this word bearing in verse 2, you know, so you think, well, everything has to be um, perfect and everything has to be great. But this word bearing in verse 2 in the Greek actually means to hold oneself up against or to put up with, to bear with, to endure, to forbear, to suffer. So he's calling us to put up with one another, one another in love. When you think of, you know, if I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to, I guess I have to put up with that. It's not that I'm, I really want to, right? Or suffer, right? No. Even if we don't want to put up with somebody, even if we have a disagreement, if we have differences in opinion, the Bible tells us that we want to bear with one another in love, to put up with, to endure one another. Now, I looked at that when I was studying, and I thought, wow, you know, I just thought we were supposed to, like, not let anything bother us, 
right? That's what love is, right? Not let it, No, that's not what love is. Sometimes you have a difference of opinion with somebody, but the Bible says that, okay, this might be going on, but can you take the high road? Can you demonstrate patience? And it says with all lowliness. So, so sometimes in a relationship, every time in a relationship, there's humility. There's gentleness. There's patience, right? In any relationship that you ever have, it's ne- there's never going to be one relationship that's perfect except for the relationship with Jesus to you. So we're always going to have to do this. We're always, we always deal with people. Families sometimes, you know, and you can see it again, the devil's crafty, but in families there's division, right? There's sometimes division in families because of one thing or another. But we want to bear with people in love. Being in unity doesn't mean that we're always going, it's always going to be easy or that you're going to have disagreements, but sometimes you have to endure with patience. Sometimes you have to endure with humility and gentleness even when we don't want to, okay? Paul says in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, why do we want to bear with one another in love? Well, so we can keep the peace, right? Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's also the reason why the Bible says we submit to authority in 1 Timothy 2. Why? So we can live a quiet and peaceable life. And so I, I love how Paul puts it here because he's talking to them individually. He's not just talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to them individually. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which with you were called. Amen. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now what if every, so you have a relationship. Say, Angeline and I, we have a, we have a marriage. Okay, what if I put her ahead of me and she put her put me ahead of her. How is that marriage going to be? Probably going to be pretty good, right? When we keep Jesus at the center of it, right? But if I'm always self-seeking and I always want take, 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 and she's the same way, what's going to happen? There's going to be a divide, isn't there? Same way in the body of Christ. Okay, we build each other up. We want to build each other up. We want to walk in humility towards each other. We continually want to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, the Holy Spirit wants you in peace. We serve Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Amen. It's against the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to be divisive. So you can talk about human nature and and wars and division and different things like that, but the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the one whom we're supposed to walk according to, amen, is the Spirit of Peace. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, to teach us, to guide us. That means that we can have peace with people as well. doesn't have to be division. There doesn't have to be these uh, things that cause strife. There doesn't have to be envy. There doesn't have to be self-seeking, right? Because we have the Prince of Peace on the inside of us. Verse 4 says there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called, in, the, in, uh, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So, let's just break down verse 4 and 5 here. So there's one body. There's one body of Christ. 
Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for one church. Amen. So there's different denominations, there are different maybe things that people don't quite agree on with the scripture. But he's coming back for one church who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and that Jesus rose again. Come back for one church and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So again, he's talking to him individually, but he's saying you were called in one hope of your calling. What's that hope? Well, the hope is Jesus coming back for a glorious church, right? And this hope isn't wishing, but hope actually in the New Testament a lot of times talks about a confident expectation. This hope, right? So it's not like we're just, we wish Jesus would come back or we think he might come back. No, we have this confident expectation that he's coming back for a glorious church. And then it says in verse 5, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and he's through all, and he's in you all. So just think, you can have different denominations and different things like that, but there's one God who knits us together. One God who's in all of us, wants to bring us closer together so we can glorify him. Amen? The whole idea of, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is unity together. That's why he set it up that way. Right? Like our body. We have a soul, we have a spirit, we have a body. Well, what if my soul was off somewhere doing this and my body was over here? Well, I wouldn't be put together at all, would I? It'd be tough to live like that. Or our spirit was over here, but our body was here. No. The way we move and the way we actually function is because our body, soul, and spirit are all working together, right? To actually be a, a living human being, you need all three that to work together to do something, right? To do the tasks that you have for the day, to uh, drive to the church, to whatever you need to do. Our body works together. It's one, right? Three parts, but it's one. That's how the Godhead is. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three and one. So as Christians, we want to do the same. We want to be the same. If God is in all of us, and is one God in all of us, amen, what does that mean? That he, he wants cohesion. I always love in, in, in Acts, when they're up in the upper room, and it says that they were all together in one accord. They had one mind. They're all there for the same reason. And what happened? The Holy Spirit fell like tongues of fire land on each of their heads. They began to speak in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So when we're, when we're in unity, a lot can happen. The Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to move when we're in unity. Okay? We allow the Holy Spirit to work through us when we can all be in unity. That doesn't mean we're all going to agree on everything. Okay? There might be some things even in this, in this uh, message that you're like, ooh, I don't know. You can come talk to me about it. But... By and large, you know, the, the important part of Christianity, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is believing that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, that he's Lord of our life, that he's the only way to heaven, he's the only way to salvation, right? So, unity. Romans twelve seventeen says, Repay no one evil for evil, have, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Again, as much as depends on you. We can only control ourselves. I can only control my. Uh, I can only control uh, my 
my attitude. I can only control how I talk to people, how I look at people, um, how I interact with people. And so much of that is directly related to how we treat people. Amen? I did a message uh, maybe a couple years ago now, um, but loving people who don't like you. And there's a, there's a scripture that talks about doing good to someone who's your enemy or somebody who hates you. It's like keeping coals of fire on their head. And, and we always look at that and we say, well, um, it's really going to, if I, if I just love them, that's really going to get them. Well, that's not actually what that verse means. The, you know, if you look, you know, when I cited it out, um, back when that was written, uh, you know, if somebody didn't have, you know, if it was cold out at night and they didn't have a fire, they'd go around to their neighbors and they have a basket on their head and they would actually give people, like, coals, like hot coals to stay warm and to, and to um, do whatever they need, needed to do with it, right? Mostly to stay warm, though. So it's not like we're saying, oh, I'm going to love that person and I'm really going to get them by doing that. I'm going to dump hot coals on their head. No. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a gracious thing. It's gracious, right? So, <clears throat> I want to treat people right. John 20, 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Okay? Um, what does that mean? Well, it means that because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have that same authority to forgive those who wrong us. He's not saying that retaining sin is a good thing. He's just saying that because the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit, because of that, if we forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. Why? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. If we retain any sins, though, they're retained. Just think of in your, in your life, if you, if you release somebody, you know, say, say that something happened and uh, you got offended, but then you released them. How good does it feel to release somebody from um, any bitterness or any unforgiveness, different things like that. But maybe some of you are in a situation now where somebody wronged you, but you're kind of holding on to that. You're holding on to that unforgiveness or holding on to that bitterness. Well, that doesn't feel very good, does it? And I guarantee you, most of the time that we hold resentment towards somebody, they don't even know, right? Most of the time we hold unforgiveness towards somebody and they think it's all forgotten. They don't, even, they don't even think about it, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have the same authority to forgive those who wrong us. He's not saying that retaining sin is right. But when we, somebody does wrong us, we have a choice, a personal choice, to forgive them or not. Remember under the law, you know, if, if somebody did something to you or you did something to them, there was, there was a law for that. There was an offering for that. That you'd give an offering and, and that, that sin against them would be forgiven or forgotten or whatever. Um, if you owed debt, there was a year of Jubilee that all debts were forgiven, right, under the law. But under the New Testament, under grace, um, it's not just a, 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 a law, but it's a choice. We choose to forgive, right? We choose to let somebody go of that offense. Now, when we have unforgiveness in our heart, it affects us the most. When we harbor unforgiveness, it turns to bitterness. When we harbor bitterness, it turns to hate. Nelson Mandela said, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? So, 
if we, if we have this unforgiveness in our heart and they don't know about it, what are we doing? Every day maybe we're, we're drinking from that well. What happens? The more bitterness comes in, the more hate comes in. And well, what are we doing when that happens? Well, we're focusing on ourselves. We're not focusing on the Lord. We're not doing what the Lord might want us to do, right? We're doing what we think we should do. You can use the analogy for bitterness, resentment, hate. But unforgiveness usually just affects you. It just affects the person. And I won't, you know, there's, there's been times in the past, um, you know, I've, I've uh, said this before, um, but I, I held unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody for nine years. Nine years. And all throughout the time, I, I thought that I had forgiven this person for what they did. But, you know, I, every time I, I would see them, though, I, I, just, I just got those. I was so angry every, every time I saw them. And the Lord finally told me, he said, if, that, if you actually forgave them, you wouldn't be angry like that. And I thought, huh. So what I have to do, I had to ask the Lord again, Lord, help me. Help me forgive this person. And finally, and, and you're going you're gonna to know it, because when you forgive somebody and you release them, there's a weight that just gets lifted off. And that's what happened with me. Okay. So now whenever I see this person, it's like, I don't have that feeling of um, bitterness. I don't have that feeling of rejection. I don't have any of those feelings at all. All I have is love, right? There's the old saying, forgive and forget. Well, you're never going to forget maybe what somebody did to you. But you can always move past it. You can always let it go. If I have an offense against someone, they've moved past it, but I haven't. I'm only hurting myself. So we need to realize we have the same capacity because of the Holy Spirit to give grace to people who wrong us. We have the capacity to give grace. To say, hey, I know this happened between us, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to choose to forgive. And what does that do? Well, it opens up the Holy Spirit to move in that relationship. It opens up the Holy Spirit to move in your life. You know, there's, there's times where, um, you know, there's somebody that has unforgiveness in their heart. And maybe they, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, and I actually experienced this with this person, but like, you know, the Lord was, was showing me things, but I wasn't, uh, maybe getting the revelation as much as I wanted. Like, I wasn't getting, I was reading and it was like, um, there wasn't a whole lot going on inside. As soon as I released that person, the Lord started speaking to me things that maybe he wasn't speaking before. Things that maybe I wasn't ready for, where I wasn't ready to receive. Why? Because I was able to forgive somebody. I would be able to, to let that go and my heart, open up capacity in your heart, right? in my heart, to receive from the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit wants us to forgive. He wants us, again, to be in that unity and the bond of peace. Again, we bear one another in love. Who here is in a family that uh, there's no disagreements? But if you raise your hand, you're lying, right? Because we all have disagreements with family. It's just the truth. What do we do? Well, you know, some people choose to walk away from them and not talk to them again and just say, well, that's how they're going to be. I'm just going to come and do my own thing. Or do we understand, hey, the difference of, of opinion, um, things will be better tomorrow, 
I'm going to stay and stick this thing out. Any disagreement that you have, you want to work through it, right? That's, that's the best thing to do, is to work through it. Okay? I know this seems like a very, maybe some of you even like, oh, I know this, I already have this, but it's important because in the body of Christ today, you know, you have different things going on um, just with, with <clears throat> social things and political things and, you know, this group believes this and I don't agree with that, so I'm not even going to deal with them and, it's such an important thing in the body of Christ to stay in unity. It's important to forgive when we have the capacity to forgive. Remember when Joseph was ruler of Egypt and his brothers came wanting food for the famine. And uh, they had no idea that you know, they sold him into slavery and, uh, and they had no idea what happened to him. And Joseph rises the ranks. Amen. Why? Because he kept a good heart, he kept a good attitude, he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, and uh, becomes the ruler of Egypt. And his brothers come wanting to get food for their family in, uh, in this famine, and, and Joseph had every opportunity to deny them the food. I mean, he, was a, he had the, you know, the opportunity to enslave them. He had the opportunity to put them in prison. He had the opportunity to kill them, right? And you think of, I think of, you know, the offenses that I've held in my life. They don't even compare to the offenses Joseph, Joseph could have held in his life. Right? You know, and, and you're, the, you're the second youngest. You know, you look up to your brothers and what happens? they jealous of you. They sell you into slavery. You get into, into Potiphar's house. What happens? You get falsely accused. I mean, just think of all the reasons Joseph had to just deny them food. To say, no, you guys weren't there for me. I'm not going to be there for you. Supernaturally, he showed him grace. And I say supernaturally because of how hard it would be knowing what, they, what he went through, how hard it would be to do that. Man, I'd like to think that I love the Lord and I'm, you know, that, that I, that I uh, um, keep no record of wrong and all that, but whew. That'd be tough. I think if we all speak honestly to ourselves, that'd be tough, right? But he showed him grace. He showed him grace. Just because we have the opportunity to get back at somebody doesn't mean that we should. Just because we're in a place of position or power to get back at somebody doesn't mean that we should. Amen. We're always, the Holy Spirit always we want him to be guiding us all the time. How do I handle this situation? Uh, you know, I think of when, when uh, David was in the valley of um, Rephaim, I'm saying it right, and he's fighting against the Philistines, and uh, he asked the Lord, what should I do? And he said, if I, if I go up against them, will I overtake them? And he said, yes, go up against them, you're going to overtake them. And so David does it. In the very next verse, they're right back in the same valley, they're right back against the same enemy. What if David, you know, if he would have just said, I'm going to go up again and do the same thing? No, what did he do? He inquired of the Lord. Can I, should I go up and take him again? He said, no. This time I want you to lie in wait. We're going to ambush him. Okay. Well, we, he inquired of the Lord. In every situation, we want to inquire of the Lord. We want to ask the Lord, what should I do here? Right? Hmm. So we can do the same thing. We can forgive people in our own life. Forgive and let it go. When Ephesians 4.1 tells us to walk worthy of our calling, it means that we're called to love people no matter what. 
And I'm not sitting up here saying that I've, you know, I've mastered any of this. Okay, this is what I just feel the Lord wanted us to say to the church. He's saying it to me too. Another issue that can divide the body of Christ is showing partiality. Okay, so if someone walks into the church who's well known or wealthy, um, are they treated the same as someone who's passing through that looks down on their luck? Do you greet somebody like that the same way that you greet somebody who you know, somebody who holds is in high regard here in the city? You know, I've you know, just to be honest with you, I've seen times where uh, maybe um, you know an athlete comes in, maybe first time comes to the church, and I see a lot of people talking to this person. But then I've seen times where somebody who doesn't uh, maybe uh, live in town or maybe just passing through or maybe, uh, you know, it looks like maybe they haven't showered, maybe they haven't had a bath, maybe they haven't been able to eat for a while or something. And yeah, people greet, we greet them, but do we treat them the same way that we treat somebody else? And that's, that's uh, you know, that's something for all of us, Right? We can all do better in that area. This isn't an admonishment, I promise. I just, I'm just being honest with, with us, right? We always have room to treat people better. And only we can answer that individually, right? We can only answer that for ourselves. And I hope this church, you know, we would all treat people, treat everybody the same, talk to both, greet both, right? James 2.4 or 2.1 says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When we show partiality, we're saying, I believe I'm better than this person. I'm too good to go and greet this person. Maybe it has to do with a ministry that you have, right? The area you volunteer in the church. Whatever the case is, we want to practice practice humility, right? We don't want to practice partiality. We want to treat people with respect no matter who they are. Romans 12, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment, and according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in, we, in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So now we're talking about those just in the church, right? So we have, uh, we, ha- we all have positions in the kingdom of God. We all have positions, right? And the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And it says, in accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. He distributed faith to all of us. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. But it says in verse 5 that we may form, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Amen. There's a, a song that we've sung before here, and it's, uh, I think it's called I Need You, right? Mm-hmm. And what, is, what does the song say? I can't think of the lyrics off the top of my head, but 
um, basically we need each other, right? And when we when we have this unity, it's for the glory of God, right? Church family is important, so we can, you know, and God bless everybody online, um, other other places, and and here even here in Brookings. But um, there's something about being in a service to come into fellowship with people um, that love Jesus. Amen. Because, you know, some of you, you know, maybe are at jobs where nobody believes. Or you would, or, or um, maybe you don't get a warm welcome at all because of your faith. Well, that's why we want to come here. Amen. Refuel. want to fellowship with those who, who um, care about us. Right? Amen. Amen. When we show partiality again, we're saying, I believe I'm better than this person. Oh, wait, I actually, I actually went through that. We need, we need each other, right? We need each other. When verse 5 actually says, we belong to each other, the scripture is basically saying, just stay humble. You might have a position in a church, you might have a position at your work, at your job, but stay humble, right? We all have different functions in the church. Don't believe you're above anybody. Again, we're talking about staying in unity. And all these things, showing partiality, uh, not giving the benefit of the doubt, not forgiving, all of these breaks us apart. All of this divides us. Romans 12.9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I use the example of Angeline and I, of you know, if I prefer her in love, if I honor her more than myself, and she honors me more than herself, it's going to be a good marriage, right? That's what the Bible tells us to do in the body of Christ. If we honor those that are even in the local church here, if we honor those above ourselves, well, then you're going to have good relationships at the church, right? You're going to, you're going to be able to um, have conversations um, about the Lord and about peace and about unity and different things like that. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a time that, uh, you know, we, we aren't firm with somebody. I'm not saying there's not a time where you have to agree to disagree. I'm not saying any of that at all. But you control what you can control. You control uh, how you see people. You control your actions. You control your attitude towards people. I love what Paul says in that verse we just looked at. Um, be devoted to one another in love. Honor those above yourself. When we do that, we're focusing on others more than ourselves. Amen. And James 3.16 says, For envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So remember, the you know, Bible says in, in um, 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't seek its own. Um, you can put your name in there. You know, the Bible says that God is love, right? Jesus lives on the inside of us. So what does that mean? We have the capacity to be love to people. We have a capacity to be love. So, some, you know, um, I, I go through with Ryan sometimes. It's, um, Ryan is patient. Ryan is kind. Ryan is gentle, right? I'm really picking on you today, buddy. I'm sorry. But, we can put our name in there, right? Randon is gentle. Randon isn't self-seeking. Randon keeps no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. 
When you pray scripturally over yourself like that, good things happen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We want to show more honor to ourselves, to others than ourselves. When we do that, we show people that we really love them. I always think of, uh, you know, the first time John called, remember, in John, he was the only disciple to call himself um, the one whom Jesus loved. So I've looked this up before, and, and you know what event happened right before he called himself that for the first time in his letter? It was when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And I always like to think that John's, you know, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing down the account of his life and Jesus' life. And he, go, he comes to this part, and, he, and he's writing, um, you know, Jesus washed the feet. And he gets his revelation, like, wow. He must have really loved us to do that. Why? Because Jesus was their rabbi, he was their master, but he, he, went, he took the low route of their servant, right? To wash their feet, to show humility towards them. Hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, is important as members of the body of Christ is to take that servant position, right? That servant leadership. Somebody calls you, they need something, you know, groceries from the store, they need something picked up. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Give me one second, I'll go and do that for you, right? Preferring one another in love, being for each other. Amen. Romans 12:11 says, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So all these instructions Paul has given to the Romans. And, you know, back then the Romans were, at, were this high stature class, right? If you were a Roman, you kind of had it made. Remember when, when Paul was getting beaten and he said, really, you beat me an uncondemned Roman, what happened? Like, immediately stopped. And they were afraid because why? He was a Roman. They were a big deal. They were like the upper echelon, the cream of the crop people. Okay? And Paul's writing this to the Romans. That tells me that no matter how what our stature is or how good we think we are, um, we need to bring ourselves down, right? It says, be willing to associate with people of low position. That's what Jesus did all the time. Remember the Pharisees said, he's a friend of sinners as a bad thing. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm a friend of sinners. Yeah, I associate with Zacchaeus, right? Yeah, I associate with Mary Magdalene. Yeah, these are my people. I love what Quincy Goodshill said, uh, Goodshill, Good star. Um, Quincy, Angeline's a good shield, that's why it's a good shield. Quincy, good star said two weeks ago where he said, um, sinners were comfortable around Jesus. Jesus made sinners feel comfortable. Not in their sin. No, but how, how did Jesus treat people that weren't living um, according to the, to the Jewish law? Well, he treated them with love. He treated them with respect. The lady caught in the act of adultery. He, uh, he said, uh, those of you that um, don't have any sin in your life, cast the first stone. Right? And Jesus is the only one that had the actu- he actually had the right to do that. 
He didn't have any sin in his life. But what did he do? He said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. I'm not going to hold this against you. Hallelujah. That's our Savior talking. That's our Savior talking. That's our Savior talking to you and I, too. He's not going to hold something against you that you did in your past. He wants you to continue to move forward. Go and sin no more. Continue to, continue to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Continue to be that. Amen. That's what he wants from us. So all these instructions Paul's given to the Romans. Um, Paul wants us to know no matter who we are, we fall under the same grace as everybody else. Right? I mean, we could be up here, we could be right here, we could be here. No matter who we are, we fall under the same grace that everybody else falls under. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. <coughs> Hallelujah. And that's what it really comes down to, showing grace to people. So grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, does the grace that Christ gave us have any limits? What kind of a measure of grace did he give? Well, he gave us an unlimited measure of grace. Right? We want to give out what we've been given. He's given us an unmeasurable amount of, measurable amount of love. We want to continue to give out love. Continue to give out grace. Continue to be peaceful. He's given, given us a, uh, a measure of peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that we can do what we want to without any repentance. I just expect grace to be there, but uh, I'm saying that sin, your sin, can exceed the grace of God. Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that. Where sin abounded, whatever sin is in your life, okay, we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But even First um, John 1, 9 says, um, uh, confessing to your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So whatever sin you have in your life, or you think you have in your life, just know that His grace supersedes that. Whatever offense somebody has against you or you have against them, His grace supersedes that. Hallelujah. Sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life. Through righteousness. Well, if grace reigns through righteousness, and we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that means that grace reigns through us. Amen? Grace reigns through us. Not offense, not condemnation, but grace. We can continue to give grace. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we don't want to stop there. It says in 24, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we've all, we can acknowledge that. Yeah, I've sinned, I've fallen short. But I've been justified by His grace. Yeah, somebody wronged me. Um, I could take offense to that, but I want to justify them by grace. I'm going to pour out grace to them. So whenever we want to criticize someone or find a fault in someone or show partiality, remember the grace that God gave to us. I mean, remember the grace that God gave to you. 
in our, deep, in our, in our darpest, uh, darkest moments, deepest, darkest moments, um, God extended grace. He knows us better than anybody. He knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. But he loves us even more. Amen. And since we've been given grace, we want to give the same thing to others, realizing that nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the perfect house cleaner. My wife knows that. But I'm getting better, I think. What does she do, though? She gives me grace. She really does. I want to give grace. Hallelujah. In fact, there might be someone that irritates you that isn't even the other person's fault. Have you ever been irritated by something, and, but you know that it's you that have to change? Right? I've been, but you want to stay mad. You don't want to, you don't want to admit to it, so you can just continue to be mad. You know, a lot of times, you know, when it comes to holding offenses and when it comes to forgiving people, we're the one that needs to change, right? We, again, we can only control what we can control. We can control ourselves, right? So sometimes it's, we want to ask, Lord, how can I change? What do I need to do to be better at this, to be better at forgiveness, to be better at patience, to be better at creating unity, right? And he'll show you. You read the word, he'll show you what you can do. He'll give you something that you can work with for that day, for that week. We start to show grace, even in our frustration. That's when unity and peace can prevail in our life. So even in frustration, we can show peace. Man, I can't imagine all the times Jesus was frustrated with the disciples. Just their questions and the different things that they did. Calling down fire from heaven like Elijah. Hallelujah. And and the Lord just continued to stay in peace. Amen. Continue to stay in forgiveness. And you can say, oh, that's the Messiah. Well, the Messiah lives inside of us, amen. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, so we can do the same thing. We can do the same exact thing that Jesus did. We're not going to be perfect at it, but we have the same Spirit living on the inside of us. The same Spirit that overcame the whole world lives on the inside of us, right? Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this this morning? I really hope that it was able to speak to to somebody in here, multiple people in here. Um, that's all I want to do. The Bible says that <clears throat> my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just again, I'm seeing if anybody has an offense against somebody in their family, maybe, it, maybe it's something that happened years ago, maybe it just happened. I encourage you to reach out to him today. I really believe the Holy Spirit saying that. Reach out to that person. Reach out to somebody who wronged you. Especially, the Lord's saying family members, but if, really of anybody, right? Reach out to him. Forgive him. Okay? Or ask him. Maybe, maybe it's a mutual agreement. You've already done that, forgiven. But um, ask him how their day's going. Can I pray for you? Amen. Let God work through us. Let God work through us to... To, to keep unity in the body of Christ. Amen. Keep unity in our families. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for today. <clears throat> oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're the ultimate matchmaker, Lord. <laughs> You're the ultimate unity maker, Lord. We just thank you for these opportunities that we get every day. These opportunities to grow. These opportunities to show our love to you, to show our love to other people. And Father, I just pray for everybody here today that 
you're working in their life right now, that you have good things planned for them. You've never had a bad day planned for them, Lord, only good things. And then even as they go, Lord, I thank you that relationships are being restored, that people are being healed of afflictions, where people are being um, financially blessed, Lord. You love us so much. We love you because you first loved us. We thank you for all these things. We thank you that we can, we can be peacemakers. We can be peace bringers to your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off for this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, have a great rest of your day. We have Roger tonight at uh, 6.30. It's going to be a blessing. Amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.